Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 215th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 714th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 3rd, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, this week's banner moment comes to us from uh, Jared Morris, who you may remember from this show at various points in the past. Uh, he wrote this for me. I wasn't sure whether it was because he was so passionate about this topic or was not convinced that I would put forth the effort to do this, but I'm thankful for it either way. Uh, so this week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday when five-star freshman Tamar Scoop Bates arrived on campus. He was flanked by his family who were eager to check out Scoop's new home. Remember, Tamar committed to Indiana and Mike Woodson without ever taking an official visit to Bloomington. Anytime a five-star talent arrives on campus for his freshman season, it's worthy of a banner moment because while get old, stay old is a winning adage in college basketball, especially in the rough and tumble Big Ten, you still need top-end talent to compete for Big Ten titles and make NCAA tournament runs. Two feats Indiana hasn't sniffed in half a decade. But with Tamar's arrival, Indiana now boasts three five-star recruits on its roster with Trace Jackson Davis and Christian Lander being the most highly touted holdovers from the previous regime. Will Tamar have the immediate impact that Trace did or that Romeo Lankford did before him? Probably not. That's no knock on Tamar. It's just a reflection of how good Trace and Romeo were as freshmen and how unbalanced the rosters were when they stepped on campus. For some analytical context, Bart Torvik's T-Rank projects a modest 5.8 points per game for Scoop. That's probably a good place to put the over-under for his freshman season. Personally, I'm bullish he'll hit the over. Jared uh, wrote that. I'm also bullish he'll hit the over. Uh, And it's always smart to be patient with freshmen, no matter how talented they are or how mature they seem. Regardless, the offseason chatter and projections are just that. What matters is the impact Scoop actually makes come November and whether he breaks out this year, next year, or the year after that. Tamar Bates projects to be one of the most important players in the program and in the Big Ten Conference over the next few seasons. Time will tell if it results in a banner, but his arrival certainly is one more important step in that direction. And just to add on to that, for those who have not had a chance to listen to the uh, interview that uh, Scoop did with A.J. Guyton on the House of Hoosier podcast, I would definitely recommend that. Uh, Seems like a really interesting kid that uh, I think people are really going to like. I know Jay uh, mentioned that in the the community as well this week about that being a good listen. So I would certainly encourage everybody to uh, check that out. But with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. First, we have a special guest. You know him as one half of the hosting duo of the People's College Basketball Podcast, Titus and Tate. Grew up an IU fan before walking on at Ohio State, and you guys know the story. We've had him on a number of times after IU-Ohio State games, uh, always uh, seeming to end in uh, in glee for him as his alma mater has wiped the floor with IU in recent, uh, in recent times every time we've had him on, but uh, he certainly doesn't need a formal intro on this podcast. It is Mark Titus. Mark, uh, we were talking before we went on. It's certainly been a more fruitful week in the world of college basketball than uh, one might have expected for the first week of June. But uh, what's top of mind for you tonight after a, a kind of a wild week? It has been a wild week. Um, Coach K announcing his retirement is certainly uh, the, the type of story that would send shockwaves through the sport. I think that qualifies. I think that definitely qualifies as a uh, – although, like, for me, the the Coach K press conference today has already – 
it's uh, like I'm already ready to talk about that that press conference more so than like the actual act of the man retiring. Um, I'm I'm excited for this. Mark, mark me down as one of the few people that like actually loves that he's doing a farewell tour and thinks, uh, you know, as as much as as this is going to be nauseating for so many people, I think this is going to be hilarious and I think it's going to be great throughout the entire season to from a content perspective. So uh, I'm excited. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the fact that Tate, you know, called this uh, what it was a month or so ago, and uh, yeah, and you know, was uh, I don't know, it wasn't even a, or was it a month? It was in was it in May. It was or? more than a month. It was okay. Uh, it was late we, April. We did a right? show. Yeah, it was late April. Um, and Tate, like Tate, is certainly he'll let anybody pat him on the back. If you want to pat Tate on the back, he'll say yes. I'll I'll accept the compliments, but he's not going to be one that's like, hey, everybody, look at me. I called this necessarily. If that makes sense, there's like a there's a fine line, and he doesn't. He's not patting himself, but he'll let you pat him, right? And so I, I feel like it's my duty as the co-host to really pump his tires here because this man showed up to do a show, and he was he was grinning from ear to ear and on April 26th, and I, I could not believe like how happy he was. And I just I asked him, I was like, what's going on, man? And he's like, I just got a phone call. And I said, what was the phone call? And he said, Coach K is going to retire, and he's going to do a, a, a farewell tour. I was like, "How do you know that?" And he's like, "A, a guy, a guy in the know told me it's that's the, that they're already planning it." And I, I just rolled my eyes because I was like, uh, "Yeah, I, uh, you know, because like you know, Tate's a Carolina fan, and so just saying anything bad about K or that K's leaving, he'll he'll believe it. He'll believe anything you tell him." So I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, Tate, I'm sure." So I laughed him off, and then here we go. We fast forward to this week, it happens, and I'm like, "Oh my god, dude, I got to apologize to you. you. You called this. You you actually had a scoop. He didn't he didn't predict it. He like said, I have a source who told me that they're planning this, and uh, I don't know. It's crazy. So anyway, awesome. Titus well, and Tate now a breaking news podcast. Yeah, in the I, scoops game. Yeah, any anything that allows us to get more uh, Tate impressions of Coach K is a win in my book. So uh, <laughs> right, well, well on our way. Well on our right. way. Right, right. <laughs> so he, uh, he. I, I'm curious to see how he handles it because K. I mean, he, he. We, we, we did an emergency show where he was kind of talking through his feelings, and I was shocked at how, um, not he. He wasn't like sad about it, but he wasn't as happy as I thought. Like, there's some small part of him that's like, I need this man in my life because <laughs> you take him away. Like, I don't know what what to do with. The, I, I have all this hatred. I don't know where to channel. I don't know. Like, there's a yin and a yang. You know, good and evil. And if the evil goes away, like what, what, where, what happens next? And he, I've he, been in the see, revenge business so long. I yeah. don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, you can see the wheels turning. Of like, I don't know what to do now. What do I do? Where do I... <laughs> oh, he'll hate John Shire just as much. It's, yeah, I know. You know, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, and to my left. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the. Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. We have the president of the Fernando Tatis Jr. fan club, Ryan Phillips. Uh, Ryan, I wish I had some of the drops that Jared had of you. Uh, your thoughts on Coach K, where you called him a walking skeleton with a hairpiece, I believe, at one point. Um, but I don't have that, unfortunately, on my soundboard. So you can feel free to recreate. But certainly, if you want to go a different direction with your rant, feel free. I, I, I give you the floor. I've definitely had a contentious relationship with the man over the years. He is completely unaware of it. But uh, for, you know... I, I, 
I think the the noteworthy thing about this is is yeah we can talk about Coach Gay and what he accomplished and all that and he did accomplish a lot. I think I think something significant that's been glossed over is what he did for USA basketball and he and Kobe Bryant teaming up to recruit great players again to play for USA basketball and not you know sort of treat the Olympics and representing the U.S. as something of an afterthought. Um, that was significant and and he had a lot to do with that. I mean that whole group that they put together did. Uh, but I, I also think that, you know, there's a reason there's some animosity there from a lot of people, uh, who aren't Carolina alums and, uh, you can't argue with his record and, and with the things he accomplished. But at the same time, the, the most interesting part for me is the changing of the guard in college basketball. And you're seeing Roy Williams is, is now gone and, and coach K and, and really of the old school guys who've been at one place a really long time guys left. It's, Jim Beheim, you know, other guys have moved around and, 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 you know, I know Roy Williams coached at Kansas as well, but it always felt like he had his heart in Carolina. And I, you know, so it, it, there is definitely a changing and college basketball is changing. And, and I think that, you know, these guys are also, let's face it, getting older and, and maybe not able to handle the stress anymore, but it is going to be different seeing a different person on the sidelines at North Carolina and a different person on the sidelines at Duke. And eventually, you know, I, I mean, I think, Jim Beheim's going to coach forever, but eventually there too. And I, it is, it's just fascinating to see this change because these guys have been there since, you know, I was in high school, yeah, you know, and, and young, I mean, way younger for coach K, but it just feels like college basketball is going to be different over the next few years. And there's going to be guys swapping out and changing and, and powers getting new head coaches. Indiana has one now. So, uh, it's also becoming a younger man's game. You're seeing younger coaches get great jobs as well, which didn't happen for the longest time. And, and you're seeing it in the NBA too, you know, guys with no experience or very little experience getting big jobs. So basketball is changing and the way people think of basketball and the way people, uh, you know, want to set up their programs and all of that is, is, is changing and it, and it's, it's going to be different. And, and uh, I think that's the fascinating thing to look at from coach K walking away is what does basketball look like in five, 10 years? How different is it? Because for a long time, it was kind of the same sport. You had the same exact philosophy everywhere. You had this, you know, I mean, with little tweaks here and there, you had the same people built their programs the same way they did this one and done, obviously changed that, but it didn't create a sea change wave across college basketball. This is starting to be a change for college basketball. And I think it'll be really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's a great point, Ryan. That, that just the change, the, uh, the, the idea that I mean, when we were growing up, and I'm gonna lump us all together. I'm not gonna bother asking how old we all are, but I mean, let's be honest, <laughs> we're all, we're all about. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna put us all together. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. Like when I was growing up, I, I was, I was an NBA fan. I preferred college basketball. I grew up in Indiana. Uh, the Pacers were. Um, you know, they were good. Reggie was good and all that. But like you, you grow up in Indiana, that's that's how it works. You just love college basketball. You pick a side, Indiana, Purdue or whatever else. Um, but you love basketball. You just you, basketball was basketball. So if there's basketball on in my house, we watched it. We didn't care what it was. And what's so fascinating to me, just hearing you talk about the changes that have happened is like the, the, the rift between the NBA and college. And this is happening at like a media level, too, where like. I mean, for God's sakes, like like Woj, I'll, I'll, I'll screw Woj, dude. Like I'm, I'm, I, I hate that dude now. Like I don't really know the guy, but like <laughs> when he put out the tweet about like when when Stevens IU is kind of a thing there for a second, he was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Let me be clear, 
no no NBA coach would ever, under any circumstances, ever go to – it's like, dude, who are – shut up. Like, you're you're just like a mouthpiece for the – like, who are you? Shut the hell – And like, how does that help anybody? And and so my point is, I guess, is like watching watching all these changes happen and, and there's like this divisiveness where you have to now pick between the NBA and college because in part, the, the, they are two different sports now. It's like two different – all the changes that are happening, like it's it, the, the world is moving so fast, and I guess that's how society works at large. But it's like, my God, the, the changes that happen in college basketball used to be slow. It used to be like, we'll introduce the yeah. shot clock and let's test this out for like years. Let's like really think about it. They debated moving the three point blind back for like yeah. seven years before. Yes, doing it. and now it's like. Oh my God! It's one thing after another. Transfers are now approved here, and this is the, not, like the, the transfer stuff happened so fast. And I think most people uh, think it's a good thing. And and I don't know. I think like I, I I a lot of the coaches don't love it. And how much of that is because the coaches uh, makes their jobs harder? And how much of it is because they like genuinely care about the players? And they're like, I think this is going to be bad for players. And there are some downsides that people aren't thinking about. I don't know. But the point is, is you're right, Ryan, that these changes are happening so fast. And uh, to have now Roy Williams' retirement, Coach K's retirement on top of that, um, it is a little jarring to think of like what the sport will look like in, say, five years. Because they're not done. Like, as you mentioned, Bayheim, I mean, Bayheim said, I, I saw somewhere he said he's going to coach till he's 80, which, uh, you know, you read that headline, you're like, oh my God, that's going to be a long time. And then you remember the guy's like, probably, does he turn 80 next month? <laughs> yeah, <what's laughs> like, next week. It's like, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so like Bayheim, Izzo, uh, Leonard Hamilton certainly isn't of that quite caliber, but he's a big name. And Florida State's had an awesome program recently. He's not a young man. Jim Laranega has been to Final Fours and won the ACC at Miami. Uh, it, it's so I mean, you start looking around, you're like, this is the change of the guard is coming, um, and the, the change is happening, and it's alarming. And college basketball certainly historically not been a sport. Um, that that has been receptive to change. I think the people that love college basketball are not the type of people that love change. They're the type of people that like I want to watch the same tradition. Sport. Grand- yeah, tradition. My grandfather watched this, and like, and don't build new gyms, don't move anything, keep it all the same. And so, kind of taking that all into account of like where we're at now in 2021, um, it can be a little jarring. But I think like my my message of optimism to the people is that Mike Shashevsky. Roy Williams, um, the the uh, the lack of a three point line, the lack of a shot, like none of these things are what make college basketball awesome. It is the the fans, it is the institutions, it is the the marriage of these institutions that we all go to school at, or like we we know people that you, you know, or our parents went to school, so like we got indoctrinated with it. It's the marriage of those institutions that are so important to our communities and to our 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 upbringings and all that stuff with the basketball teams themselves that's what brings it together that's what will make it last that's what i i yell i will yell till i'm red in the face about people that think the overtime league or the g league or whatever else are going to be a threat to college basketball and i try to tell these people that that don't really know much about college basketball i i swear to god you could put like third graders in indiana and purdue jerseys and every person in indiana will watch it they don't care they don't need they don't need lebron james level players and and like if 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 this team represents indiana and this team represents purdue i'm watching it and i'm booing for i'm booing the team in black and gold like that's how it works and it doesn't matter 
where the talent level – I mean, like, obviously we all want them to be super talented players, but um, it's not about the players. It's it, in a lot of ways not about the coaches as much as, like, that, that, that is the narrative around college basketball, that it is the coaches. It's not. It's the programs. It's the fans. It's the institutions. And Mike Krzyzewski will, will, will leave a big void when he leaves. But the beat goes on. John Wooden left a big gap. Dean Smith did. Bob Knight, you know, like it, it, uh, the list goes on, and it has survived, and it will survive. So that's my rant on the matter. <laughs> I like it. That's a good way to uh, good way to wrap up that part of it for sure. I was thinking the same thing about the you know, what you said about the overtime league and all that. Sort of like if a small fraction of players leaving is not going to drive the sport into the ground. So uh, I, I would agree. Uh, all right, so this week on the show, we are going to cover who's your headlines, which are going to be uh, largely about you know college basketball in, in general. There's a rule change we wanted to talk about, and then uh, I guess a little bit the Brad Stevens news. Uh, then you know mainly wanted to talk to Mark and get his thoughts on IU's offseason so far, and uh, you know how he's feeling about the Mike Woodson era to this point. And then we'll end by answering your questions as we always do. All of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. All right, and let me get all the right stuff going here. And uh, all right, so before we get to Who's Your Headlines, we wanted to take a minute and introduce you to Manscaped to provide support for our podcast. Now, I know we've had some laughs over the last couple of weeks because of the sponsorship. Coach even got his wife to... Uh, to do a couple drops for the uh, for for the promotion. So uh, we have had some laughs, but um, you know we did want to talk about the the sponsorship and uh, and and talk about how important it is. Uh, so we don't want to let the occasional silliness of the ads that we've done overshadow the efficacy of the product. Nice work by Jared to throw in efficacy to try to throw me off. Uh, bottom line is that Manscaped's product line is the best in the industry when it comes to male grooming, starting with the lawnmower 4.0. With the lawnmower, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer to focus on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. They sent all of us our own lawnmower, and we all agree that it works better than any other groin grooming solution we've tried. And I know that the idea of groin grooming can induce pangs of fear, but fear not. Manscaped's fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Plus, it features wireless charging and a 4,000K LED light uh, that you can use for a more precise shave. And as you hopefully realize, Father's Day is coming up fast. Manscaped's products make a great gift for dads and sons everywhere. Over 2 million men worldwide have already mans- are already Manscaped, and we have this exclusive offer for you. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code AC at manscaped.com. Again, that's promo code AC at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, so on to who's your headlines. So first one in here is a new rule. Um, this was passed, I think it's temporary uh, at this point, but the rule was passed by the Division One Council Coordination Committee, which allows two non-coaching members of any college basketball program to conduct instructional on-court activities during the eight-week summer session that begins on June 4th, which I believe is tomorrow. Um, According to the release, the committee supported the changes due to the increased need for full-time assistant coaches to be recruiting after a dead period that lasted more than a year and the likely larger number of new players on teams for 2022 or 21, sorry, for 2021-22 because of the change in transfer rules. So the existing rule allows assistant coaches to work with players for up to eight hours per week, no more than two hours a day on various skill-related instruction. Uh, so I guess as we think about that, it certainly seems like a, a good thing uh, for them and, I, and something that may become permanent as we go through that. But, you know, Mark, from from 
your perspective, this I think where IU fans take this is: does this get Thad Mata back on the court for this yep. time period? Is he a guy who uh, is able to help out with that? And you know, kind of the question for you is: in that capacity, you know, what, what's his approach to skill development um, and that kind of instruction? And in terms of your experience with him over the uh, over the summer and, and during the seasons that you were there, this is the Thad Mata rule, right? This has to be considered. It, it must the, be. Uh, it must be. This is the, the, the we're, we're going to call it the Thad Mata rule for sure. Uh, no, this is this is going to be great. I mean, the skill work is is something that that coach definitely excels at because I think to be great at skill work, um, and and I beat this point home last time I think I was on the program where we were talking about Mike Woodson and Thad Mata and what they're going to bring to the table and all that. Uh, what what Thad excels at. I'm sorry, coach. He'd kill me if I if you heard me call him Thad. Uh, what coach excels at is. Um, is relationships that's what that's what he that's what he's great at he's great at one-on-one he's great at uh like really just figuring out what number one what what can you do to make the team better but number two like what what are you trying to accomplish as an individual what what makes you tick what makes you good like all of that 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 is what that mod is awesome at and to me like that is that is on court skill work i mean he's great at it off the court because he's a great human being and he knows how to connect with guys on on that level um, but, but that comes out in skill work too, is that he's, he's got an eye for what guys need to improve, how to improve them. I mean, the guy's resume is absolutely insane. I, I am very, very biased. Uh, but I, I, I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the history of college basketball. It's like, it's, it's, it's staggering how much he won to the point that like, even if you remember him as a good coach and you went back and looked at how many titles, big 10 tournament, big 10 regular season, whatever things that he won, um it, it'll still blow you away and the guy knows the game the guy uh knows how to coach and uh i i imagine he's going to get his hands involved in and in some skill work here now well mark as a former player do you think this changes the offseason for current players i mean you know being able to actually work with uh, people yeah, on I, stuff yeah officially so, in an official yeah, capacity yeah there, there there's a lot of uh you know the rules of Changed a lot since even I was there. I mean, I'm starting to get a uh, little little gray hair, and uh, I'm I'm getting longer in the tooth myself. But uh, no, we we the, the summer there was definitely some structure to it, but there's a lot of uh, there 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 frankly was just a lot of like you got to get in the gym and work on your own game, which is why I was so bad because I was not getting in the gym. I was going to the quad to. <laughs> to check out sunbathers you know like that's what i was doing so um the 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 guys that, that that's that's honestly what made our team so good at ohio state was we had a lot of guys that were wired that way to to just like the john deeblers and dave lighties and evan turners of the world they were just like they were gym rats man and they did they they would get in there by themselves and get as many shots up and they could they could motivate themselves and i think um having having someone now be able to step into position and kind of orchestrate what's going on and these workouts and these practices or whatever, it is going to be a huge advantage, especially for a team like Indiana that, uh, you know, there are a lot of guys back, but there, there are a lot of new guys too. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I don't, you said uh, Bates just showed up on campus. Um, I don't know how, how well does he know the rest of the guys on the team? And maybe, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is not, you know, yelling at him, but kind of trying to motivate him in a workout at some point. And he's looking at him like, dude, who are you? Like, I just met, like, what's yeah. going You know, like, maybe... The, Especially these kids of, who were recruited via Zoom instead right, of being on right. campus and getting to meet people. So instead of, instead of it falling on Trace Jackson Davis to be the leader, to yell at... Not yell, but motivate, whatever it is, guys that they don't really know that well, 
insert say a Thad Mata and now he can kind of like be the overlord of everything and kind of put guys in the right spot uh you know is it going to make a difference in terms of wins and losses in the long run I don't know it might I don't know this, this stuff is granular it's like it might help build relationships that can make it better but I I, I don't know I'm not going to pretend like because IU has Thad Mata at their disposal and other schools don't like they're going to win five more games this year than than everyone else but uh this is certainly this is certainly a great thing for Indiana for sure yeah all right. The other uh, the other bit of news that we alluded to was the uh, Brad Stevens moving into the Celtics front office. So I think most IU fans took the opportunity to try to connect dots that may or may not need to be connected with uh, with this news and the other uh, off season news there. But uh, you know, Ryan, what was your impression upon hearing the news of of Stevens moving into that role, which was quickly surpassed by the Coach K news that we talked about earlier? Yeah, talk about burying the news right there. But but I would say, I mean, look, when I talk to anybody close to this situation on either Indiana's side or Boston's side, when I did digging around the time that Indiana was looking at him, everybody said that he was struggling as the coach of the Celtics. And he was, you know, the word came out of being burned out. And I didn't think of that word at the time, but I think that in hindsight, it seems like that's what it was. I think that eight years anywhere is a long time, especially with a lot of the same players. And sometimes your voice just doesn't carry the way it does the first year, you know, you're with a player. And there were, you know, stories about the Celtics, not, I, you know, people said tuning him out, but maybe just not having the, not reacting to hit what he wanted as quickly. And, and maybe guys just kind of frustrated with a relationship. Eight years is an eternity in the NBA, by the way. And so for him to, to sort of step away from that, that wasn't shocking. I think that's why people who actually knew the situation thought he might go to Indiana and thought that he would at least consider Indiana. It had, you know, he thought he had a great job, but it just wasn't as fulfilling as it had been in the past. That's what I was told. Now, however much of that, you know, if you ask Brad Stevens, I doubt he phrases it that way, but that's what I was told repeatedly. And there was a point where Indiana thought they had a really good chance of getting him. And the next day that those chances evaporated. And that was when the, you know, the mass hole press conference happened. They knew heading into the mass hole press conference that basically it was over. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if, some kind of deal was worked out with the Celtics back then about some form of a transition or maybe a, you know, Danny might be going to the jazz uh, and leaving. So, you know, maybe there's a spot for you here to sort of take a Popovich role. And then he decided he didn't want to coach anymore for a while. I think Brad Stevens is going to coach again in a couple mm -hmm. of years. I think he's going to miss it. I think he doesn't want to coach this team right now next year. And uh, so we'll see. Maybe, you know, in a couple of years, he decides, I like this whole president of basketball operations thing. I want to go to the Pacers and be a head coach again, but I want to be that president of basketball operations as well. And again, the way Popovich does it somewhere, I'm throwing the Pacers out because it's Indiana, but somewhere else. And um, so my reaction was kind of that makes sense because I have been told that he was not having a blast and it wasn't successful on the court. It showed with the Celtics this year. I know they were burned out. They had a very short offseason with the with the bubble and everything. All those top four teams struggled this year. Uh, Denver was the only one that didn't, and they also got the greatest performance ever by a center in the NBA, so that really helped. But all four teams that were the final four in the bubble really struggled this year. And I think that and some other things wore him down, and, and I, I'm not really surprised that he moved on. 
to something else. I'm surprised he stayed with the Celtics. I'm surprised he became the president of basketball operations. I did not see that coming, but looking back with hindsight, it all kind of makes sense. All right. Well, Mark, what did you think, Mark? I want to know what you thought. I mean, Ryan, you kind of hit everything I was going to say. I mean, like, honestly, if there's a way I could just say same and be done with it like that, like you, you, you hit all the points. Like, um, no, I, I, I agree with you on the timeline as well that, uh, I mean, listen, we're all biased here. Like we kind of, looking back at that period of time, we all obviously wanted Brad to come to IU. Um, so we probably looked at it through those glasses, but I, I do think the timeline was like he was considering it and like he must have used this as leverage. Like he must have, he must have, as he was considering, gone to Danny and said, like, I want, I, I, I don't know. I'm considering like what I, and then Danny's like, why would you consider this? You're the coach of the Celtics. I, I don't know how it went down, but like that, that was the, 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 the point in time where something must have happened, right? Because um, as you said, watching the, the, the Celtics all season, uh, I, I remember there's one press conference he was doing a post game press conference where you could hear like Jason Tatum like behind him in the locker room like throwing stuff or yelling at somebody, and then Brad's like got a straight face and he's like, "Yeah, our chemistry's great. I don't know why people are pretending <laughs> like it's not." And you could just see it was wearing on him. And and you're absolutely right that that uh, eight years is a long time, and that was kind of my point uh, th- that I was trying to make to people when I was when I was trying to meme Brad to Indiana. I was like, it, the, the difference between this and last time was that frankly the the Celtics aren't on the the come up anymore they're I don't know if this was a just a this year was an anomaly or whether they're on the decline whatever but that's where they're at is is eight he's been there for eight years it's it's uh you know seven year itch is real I think and and that's a long time for for coaches to be there and uh I don't know. The, the moment he took the Celtics job, I remember, and I think I might have the receipts. This is this is kind of eerie to look back on, but the moment he took the Celtics job, I think I tweeted something like, he's going to go to Boston for like five or six years, and then when he gets fired, he'll take over for K at Duke. And that's like not going to happen, but also the fact that like the both of those hit close at the same, Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah the, the, I like both those hit at the same time. I was like, oh, wait. but the point was like, I remember thinking when he took over the Celtics, I was like, the, the, if you look at like who, who are the longest, t- I think Eric Spolster is the second longest tenured coach in the NBA. Yeah. And it's like, it's like Spolstra pop and, and, and Carlisle are like the three that have been there for yeah. like any significant amount of time. Um, to where even, even if you're good, even if you're a good NBA coach, like thing, it just it look at Dwayne like, Casey. He had a yeah. great record with the Raptors and they let him go. And, you know, Nate McMillan in. with the Pacers. Yeah. Like it, you can be a good coach in the NBA and it could just be not the right fit. It could be the star yeah. doesn't like you. It, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And uh, so, yeah, in that regard, for, for an NBA coach at the eight year mark to decide, you know, when, when, the standard is kind of at least Eastern conference finals, if not higher in Boston. And you're getting kind of a gentleman sweep in the first round for him to look it around and just be like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. That doesn't surprise me, but I'm with you, Ryan. He's going to coach again. If you think Brad yeah, Stevens is coach's last game, you're out of your mind. Yeah. And somebody said, well, what, what does he do this for one year? And then he's at Duke. I'm sure they're writing into his contract. He's got to do this for yeah. a while. He's not just going to leave him higher, dry, yeah. high and dry next year. So I, maybe he coaches Duke in the future. Maybe he coach. he maybe bunch of years down the line hopefully if mike woodson's successful he takes over you know That's whatever what, okay so i, I want to have that conversation with you because where 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 does the iu fan base because i don't want to pretend like i am i'm as invested as you guys um where where do we land on that like let's just go there why not mike woodson five years from now he's made three final fours <laughs> iu is back we meet it for real this time 
maybe the maybe a national title was won, but Mike Woodson, he's like, you know, I I did what I came to do. I I got IU back. I'm a little old now. Um, we're back. I'm done. I retire. Is 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 the Brad Stevens the IU train back on? Is it is it back on the menu? Are we memeing it? Do you think, or, or are you like, no, we're done with that. We tried it. He turned us down. He's a asshole. We don't want him. I think some people would have exactly what you just said. Would have that he he's a asshole. Like whatever. That was embarrassing. Whatever. I think a significant portion of the fan base would be like, hey, is Brad, what's Brad Stevens? <laughs> you know, let's run it back. But, but I also think that if if they're that successful, Dane Fife's on the staff. People, right. there would be a significant chance they yeah. just elevate him. That's a good um, point. But I would I would say no. I, I would say that I think, and, and I said today, somebody uh, Jared tweeted out that like you know I don't even want to consider Brad Stevens, blah blah blah. And he tweeted out from the Assembly Call account. I was like, well, you're not speaking for all of us. Uh, but he said something about like you know IU fans have moved on. They're all in on Mike Woodson. I'm like, no, I think a significant portion of people are all in on Mike Woodson. Yeah, that doesn't mean that if they were given the chance right now to change yeah. it. I, I think it'd probably be like fifty-three yeah, to forty-seven well, in favor of Brad Stevens. Yeah, I think I'm gonna stop. Because, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. I, by the way, I don't like that. I don't. I, I don't I, agree. I, I, I don't agree with you. I think, I think Woody is the man for the job right I now. Agree. I agree. I would not if I could hit that button right now and Brad Stevens takes over for Mike Woodson. I'm not hitting it. If I'm an IU. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm saying what I think the IU fan, and I think the one thing that Stevens would have going for him in that context is you get Brad Stevens. He's your coach for the next thirty years, as yeah. opposed to Woodson. We're gonna have to do another coaching search. Yeah. Within the next ten, you know, if uh, assuming everything goes well. Um, so the, I'm just saying what I think the pulse is, but I do think that right now, get Brad Stevens out of the equation. Everybody's right. all in on Mike Woodson. Right. I agree with that. And Good. I think that, and I'm, I'm somebody who is skeptical of certain aspects of his hire and, 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 and that, but I think every move he's made since his hiring, I am fully on board with, I don't think he's made a misstep. And I think right. that it's, it's been perfect so far. I was just curious of, uh, using LeBron as an analogy with Cleveland, um, how how badly did we burn the Brad Stevens jerseys uh, when he said I'm a asshole? Is this, this is uh, you know hey. the, like like Cleveland did where they're like screw this guy forever I hate him so what LeBron you want to come back okay never mind we love you exactly you know, like, yeah. I think that's where we're at I think there'd sports be a, fans forget real fast yeah, yeah I think there'd be a component fast. of that depending upon how things went with Woodson I think if they went well to Ryan's yeah. point I think the I think people would turn to Fife or maybe even like a Kenya Hunter since he's, you know, would have been here for a while at that point and has been, you know, done a good job recruiting. But I think if things don't go that well, then I think absolutely everybody would be a lot more likely to buy back into that as opposed to, yeah. you know, going yeah. hand the keys over to Fife who's been there while things have turned around or, or Hunter in that scenario. But oh, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe we'll all still be doing this. And hopefully something we don't have to worry about. And for then a we long can. Uh, yeah, then we can we can figure it out. All right. Well, that will do it for the first segment. We'll uh, turn our attention to the Hoosiers next uh, a little bit more and uh, talk through more of what Mark thinks about IU's offseason. And uh, we'll talk about that next year on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. Welcome, chat mob and everybody. Maybe our 
maybe the longest first segment in our in our history. But you know, you get Coach K, you get Brad Stevens. I mean, this is this this is blast. What, what are you talking about? That went by fast. This is what happens. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we got some. I know Jen in the chat said that uh, Stevens declaring himself a Patriots or Cheatriots fan, as she said, uh, ends any chance he has of coming back. But yeah, that was that hurt. That, that hurt. That's yeah, that do hurt for That's you guys. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a Colts fan, but that I could just. I could feel that like residual. Like it felt like it felt like he was being held hostage when he did. That whole <laughs> yeah, like, there was really a gun did. just off camera, and he was like reading a script. Where it's like, I, I don't know. Maybe that, that was the condition of his new probably... position. Was like, yeah, we need you to get out there in front of people. Don't be too robotic, but we need you to hit these key points. Yeah, man, man, that was rough. That that was rough, it, but I mean, and somebody explained to me like, well, his kids like have now grown up there, so they're probably Patriots fans. So I'm like, no, that's not an excuse. No, yeah, that's, and also no. you can say you can you can express the exact same sentiment without taking it that far, you know? Like you could, you like could Mark, say, are you a, you've lived in L.A. for a little bit now? Are right. you all of a sudden a Rams fan? Like, uh, no, exactly. Fact, that, that's why I was so offended is because I don't live in Indiana anymore. <laughs> I I haven't lived in Indiana since I was 18, and if you ask me, I'd say I'm a Hoosier. Like that's like. Yeah. I, I have I haven't lived I've lived almost half of my life outside of the state of Indiana at this point. And I, I am a Hoosier. I will always be a Hoosier, no matter how tan this face gets, no matter how much plastic surgery I get in LA. Uh, I've, no matter how many kale salads. I thought you were looking I, fresher. I thought you were looking a little no, fresh. Uh, uh, how, no matter how many kale salads I eat, god damn it, I'm gonna be a Hoosier <laughs> till the day I die. And uh yeah, so to have him say he's a mass hall, I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> devastated <laughs> that was pretty fantastic. rough fantastic all right we'll talk some uh we'll talk some iu next and then we'll uh we'll go from there i'll get a start here in a second okay hi this is jawan morgan what's the only thing better than getting iu's first triple double in 47 years Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the assembly call. So how do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? It's crazy during the offseason and even crazier during the season. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. Rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are already on the list, and we want you to be on there as well. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. Again, that's IU to 66866. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and our special guest, Mark Titus. And wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, IU with Mark to get his impressions of uh, how the offseason's gone. So I, I guess maybe the first place to start, uh, Mark, is to, you know, kind of as you think about what your reaction to the Woodson hiring was initially and kind of your feelings about how it is now. Uh, you know, how has that changed over that time? You know, I, I assume you, like most IU fans, are feeling more comfortable. But, you know, what's kind of been the biggest yeah. biggest change for you since hearing him announce to where we are in, in June? Yeah, my initial reaction when it was announced was, uh, I think like a lot of people, a little lukewarm. I'm talking like the moment it was announced. Like I, I, I see the name, like gut split second reaction. Um, so I did what I do in a lot of instances when, when something happens uh, pertaining to Indiana basketball. I called my father. And I said, dad, <laughs> help me make sense of this. And my dad, who 
my dad's an Indian alum. My dad is uh, the biggest Indiana fan I've I I know uh, is I don't know he's he's like a lot of people's listen like a lot of your dads of all of our listeners tonight. Um, but with that, he also is the kind of Indiana fan of who's in his sixties that hates everything about Indiana at all times, you know. And I love my dad, but he's also like, you know, you call him after a win, and he's like, we had a little, we had too many turnovers, and that's like that's all he wants to talk about, you know. Is we got to clean that up and whatever. Um, so when I call my dad, and I said, what do you, what, 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 give me something about Woody, like what, what are your thoughts? And he was over the moon. He was so excited in the moment. He was like, Mike Woodson, Mark, I'm telling you, I, I genuinely think this. He's going to be better than Brad Stevens would have been if Indiana would hire Brad Stevens. And I was like, what? And he's like, Mike Woodson is, I'm telling you, the guy is, he, he is just so likable. He is he is such a good dude. He knows the game better than, and, and he just going on and on selling him. And I was like, all right, dad, I'll commit to IU. Is that, is that what's going on here? <laughs> um, so when my dad would, because my dad was there at Indiana. Uh, my dad was there like during basically the Woodson years. My dad uh, and, and he was kind of involved with the basket. Like he, he my dad was a roommates with Butch Carter um, in the late seventies, early eighties at Indiana, and uh, so he was like he, he was kind of like I was with Ohio State, except he didn't officially walk on. You know, like he was kind of always involved. He'd go to the hyper and like play with the guys, but I don't know. He was he's probably scared at night. That's really what it was. If I'm being <laughs> honest, he's probably just like I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that so anyway my uh uh dad dad was just feeding me all this info about woodson so from that moment on i was like all right i th- i i have no choice but to leave my father and basically every single thing that has happened since then i've just called my dad and be like you said this would happen like I, I i i can't believe i doubted this or i thought this might not work out um and and the the famous example uh, I guess that that I'm sure uh, everyone listening knows, remembers, and that's kind of like the I think the the big off season moment was was Trace coming back, but not just Trace coming back, but like talking out that process, how that went when you met Mike Woodson, and uh, the 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 famous quote, or at least it's famous to me, I'll remember this forever, that that he said he wasn't showing me what I'm good at, he was showing me what I needed to work at, and and that struck me, and you know that, that that's what Trace said. Um, that kind of stuff uh, is is what my dad told me that Woodson would bring to the table, and the fact that he's doing it, uh, I don't know. So I, I I think it's maybe not perfect. I feel like uh, you know Jerome Hunter. I love Jerome Hunter. Him him not sticking around is more of like a sentimental thing. I don't know if I use really going to be sweating his lost production per se, but like I loved how hard he played and um, and all that. Armand, I think, is a little more. That one kind of hurt, I think, yeah. but I think I think they're going to be fine. Outside of that, like I don't know what I don't know where he was a swing and miss. Like Keon Brooks didn't transfer, like everyone thought. <laughs> like I don't I don't know what else uh, I don't know what else Mike Woodson could have done in the offseason that, that's better than what he did. He could trace back uh, Xavier coming in and tomorrow. Like those are that's the big three. And then you, you sprinkle in guys like Miller Cop, who I think is going to be awesome for for Indiana. Yeah. And I think the role fits exactly what they want to do. So too. good. So yeah. good. And 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 he very clearly it wasn't like a um haphazard deal where Woodson took over and said, All right, we have to get better. Let me just Google the transfer portal and throw some scholarships at the best players. Like he very clearly like had a plan and was going through this and um, you know, shooting was a I don't need to tell IU fans. I mean, it's been a disaster for the Hoosiers and to get guys that can put the ball in the basket, uh, I don't know. So I he, he's knocked it out of the park. I'm I'm like every other IU fan. I think he's knocked it out of the park and uh, I'm excited to to see where it goes from here. Yeah. So as you, as you think about, you know, touch on the roster a little bit with, um, you know, with what we talked about, I think there's been, 
a component of discussion around how do you keep everybody happy, both with the, uh, you know, the three guys that you, you talked about with them bringing in, um, you, know, you got Durr that came in, uh, from South Florida as well. You've got, uh, you know, race Thompson back, all, all these guys, how much, how much credence do you, do you put into some of those kinds of conversations of like, are there enough minutes to go around? And I yeah, mean, you can certainly put it in IU specific context here, but just from, you know, kind of having, having, you know, play it on the, on the team. Like, is that really a thing that, that coaches worry that much about that players worry a ton about? Like, or is that just overblown? Cause people look at a roster and they're like, Oh, I think this guy should play. And, and they all can't play. Yeah. It's, it's honestly team to team. I think it just depends on the makeup of the team. It depends on, on what the, the mental makeup of these guys and, and whether they're willing to buy in. And that sounds cliche and stupid, but um, it is what it is. I mean, like I, I, I look at the difference just drawing on my experience, uh, the 2007 team I was on, I went to the final four and, and we lost to Florida in the title game. We were loaded with talent. We were, we were so good. I, I mean, Greg Oden and Mike Conley and, and uh, Ivan Harris was one of our starters. Like nobody, if you, if you ask people to name the five starters on that team, nobody would remember Ivan Harris. Ivan Harris was a McDonald's all American. Um, he was, he, he was awesome. And he in high school. And like, by the time he's a senior at Ohio state, he's has to defer to, to 17, 18 year olds, you know, like that's, we had Daquan quick coming off the bench. We were loaded and what made that team so good is that Greg Oden was by far the most talented player, and Greg Oden did not care what Greg Oden's stats were, and that trickled down to the whole team. And there was just like a uh, nobody cared, no one looked at the box score. I mean, that's not true. Daquan Cook definitely did. Daquan Cook was definitely <laughs> Daquan was definitely aware of how many points he had scored at all times. But the like the team was not worried about how many minutes. Or, like I, I, that that was how David Lighty was a freshman on that team and should have. Uh, if, if David Lighty plays basically any other team other than Florida, if David Lighty plays anywhere else in the country, he's getting significant minutes on that team. He was just kind of they just kind of threw him in here and there to play defense and stuff. Uh, fast forward to the next year, 2008, we still had a ton of talent. Costa Kufis comes in. Uh, Jamar Butler still stuck around. Othello Hunter st- is, was still on the team. He played in the NBA for a little while. We were loaded with talent that year, and we had the, kind of what, what what the fear would be. is like all those guys were like worried about God knows what. I think Jamar was uh, focused on like the year before. He's kind of playing second fiddle to Mike Conley. Now he's a senior. He wants to show off what he can do, and – um costa costa was a one and done guy that's like this is my one pit stop like i should be running this team and uh we, we were an absolute mess to the point that we missed the ncaa tournament we go to the nit and we were so talented we steamrolled everybody through the nit it was like a joke that we were there we were we were so good that year but would never click so uh I, I guess like just from my experience it really truly depends on the makeup of the team and so i can't i can't say how this is going to go because i don't i don't know the guys that well but fingers crossed i mean if 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 Coach Mott and, and and Coach Woodson are as as good at at that part of the job as I think they are of of bringing a group of guys together, um, I don't think it'll be a problem. But we'll see. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Well, and also, I mean, let's be real. In most cases, it's easier to be on the bench if you're winning. Like yes. it's it's much yes. e- like you know. So if you're if your team's winning and you're sitting out or you maybe not playing as much as you think you should. If you're winning, it's easier to justify, well, we won. I couldn't have, you know, it's not like I can go in there. But if you're losing, your first thought as a bench player, a lot of bench players, the first thought is, I could have helped that. I could have fixed yeah. that. I could have, you know, and you can't do that if the team is having a lot of success. So a lot of it, I do agree that I think there's a mentality that teams have to have, but also throughout the season, if you're winning games, 
You're right. Guys are excited to be on the bench and cheering and involved and all that. Some guys won't be. Some guys just want to play and some guys want to put up numbers and and it's more of a selfish thing. But in general, yeah, if you're having success, it's easier to be sitting on the sidelines and and maybe say like, you know, this is my role on this team to help us win. And, and next year, when some of these guys are gone, that's when I'll have my chance to help the team win more or whatever. But yeah, I think success is a big part of, of that attitude. I think you're absolutely right. I have to believe that most guys want to be a part of something special, whatever that part can be. And I think yeah. you, you identify that like if something special is happening here, I want to stick around and be a part of this and buy in and do whatever I can to be a part of it. And um, you know, but there are there are guys that aren't, as you said. Of so, course, uh, yeah. Fingers I mean, crossed that that <laughs> those guys are not in the Indiana locker room this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like it feels like Woodson in you know, his recent press availability and, and even hearing this from the guys, it ties a little bit together, Mark, with what you talked about with, you know, hearing Trace say he told me the things I didn't want to hear. I, you know, he's been fairly candid in terms of being asked those questions and that you're going to earn, you know, if you're going to play, you're going to earn it. And it certainly doesn't seem to be afraid to tell guys he's recruiting, whether from inside or outside the program, you know, his opinion of what they need to do to either earn more playing time or to, uh, improve and things like that. So I, at least feels like he's set the tone of that. That's easy to say now when you're not playing games and you're not in the emotion of the winning and losing that, that, you know, you were just talking about Ryan. So I think it's, you know, probably a good foundation being laid and then it just remains to be seen. I think but how late. can, how, how can you be one of these guys that have Mike Woodson tell you that you're simply not good enough at X, Y, Z to play at the next level. We need to get you better and not believe him. That's that. Yeah. That's the part that like I. He comes I found with so much credibility. So much. Is there a more credible coach? Like honestly, in in college basketball right now. I mean, like it, it, when when it comes to that, like what what coach in college basketball knows what it takes to be great in the NBA more than Mike Woodson does. Like I I. So that that part of it is the is the part that I think will, is is the reason to be optimistic about some of the issues we're fearful of is that uh, other coaches in his shoes would say that stuff. But they have no credibility to back it up. So if yeah. you're the kid on the the other side of the desk, you're like, "Who are you? Who are you, Will Wade? <laughs> like, what? Will Wade? You're 36. What are you telling? What are you talking to me about? Like, what?" Um, but Mike Woodson says it. it's like, "All right, you, if if you're the kid, I mean, you have to be a moron to not listen to him or believe what he's saying. Like, he's, you know, and and just for him to to have that attitude, I I I don't know that that that's awesome, and and I think it's going to pay huge dividends for him. Well, I also think it, it sets up a dichotomy where a lot of these coaches tell kids exactly what they want to hear mm -hmm. because you're recruiting, you're constantly recruiting, and it's this thing where you put your best foot forward and you're recruiting, and you sell you sell the world. It's their job to do that, mm -hmm. but to come at it with that sort of different approach that cuts across the grain, it's going to stand out, you know, amongst that group of, of things. And the other thing about Woodson, it's not just the coaching. I mean, he played in the NBA. You know, mm -hmm. he played, he was a great college player, played in the NBA. Then he went on and had this long coaching career in the NBA where he coached and interacted with so many great players. Uh, I mean, it's, you're right. The instant credibility that that guy has with players. I mean, even though, you know, he played a long time ago, he still knows what it, it is and he wore that jersey. And, and so there's so many elements of it that I think I overlooked initially that work out long-term for Indiana. The, and, and again, the only, the only question I have is like, what's he going to run? What's the defense right, going to be like? You right. know, like that's the only question I have now. And, yeah. uh, and, and oh, I just think he's, he's smart enough to figure it out. He'll figure it out because I, I want to reiterate to people that have been, uh, have brought up similar points of like, but, but can Mike Woodson coach the college game? 
can he coach? And, and it's like, listen, look who's on the other bench that this man is going to be coaching against. He's going up against Mark Turgeon and Greg Gard and, you know, Chris Collins, for God's sakes. Like, I think I think he's going to be all right. Like, it's not like. <laughs> yeah, those guys have developed systems. And like- yeah, I mean, like, what are we talking about here? This is it. I think that's just something where your mind goes, where you're trying to think of like cons to, to Mike Woodson taking over. And you're like, well, what if, are we sure he knows how to coach the college? It's like. Yes, we're sure. We're sure he well, knows the, how to coach basketball. And the other thing is, is that you you mentioned earlier the NBA and college basketball are completely different worlds. They're completely yeah. different sports. But you're seeing a lot of the offensive sets from the NBA start to find their way into yes. college basketball. A lot more up tempo, a lot more three point shooting, things like that. I think that's an advantage for Woodson coming, given that he's defended. He's he had to game plan defenses for that, and he's had to implement offenses like that before. So I think there's. Definitely some crossover there that will, in, in you know, inevitably help Indiana. The moment for me that uh, if you if you're not buying into Mike Woodson, um, you definitely did when you saw this was when he goes back to New York. I think he was like moving his stuff. I think he was literally just like back there packing up his moving truck to, yeah. to drive to Bloomington, and he goes to the Knicks game. And Julius Randle, a guy who is a Kentucky, le- I don't I don't know what constitutes a legend in Kentucky, but a guy that leads you to a national title game and my and is an All-American. In my eyes, that's a Kentucky legend. Sees the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers and runs over, gives him a big bear hug. And like, you know, and then there are other Kentucky there's there's a thousand there's Kentucky a guys on, on the on the Knicks. And I'm and I'm like, what bizarro world are we living in here where all these Kentucky guys are going up to the current head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers and and giving him a big hug and saying, I love you coach. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, it was free advertising for Indiana as well. By come on. The way. It was yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Knicks, for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Mark, any any guys that are particularly intriguing for you to see on the IU roster in, in Woodson's system, whether those be guys that are coming back or, or or even some of the new faces that he brought in? Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know a ton about Xavier Johnson. Like I was, I didn't follow him much at Pitt because Pitt's not been awesome. So uh, I'm not going to pretend. And, and, and Bates – I, I, I just trust everyone else. I, I hope he's as good as everyone says. So for me, uh, as a guy who's watched Miller Cop and he had an awesome year a couple years ago and this past year uh, was kind of like trying to figure out his role. He, he's a guy that stands out to me. I mean, obviously Trace is the big one, like to see um, what, what, what Trace will be under Woodson. And uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess the one worry I might have is like, I don't want Trace to pull a Nigel Hayes, which is like, I, 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 <laughs> Apologies to the Nigel Hayes family, but I, I always my mind immediately goes to Nigel Hayes whenever I think about this scenario, where he wants to make the NBA so badly that like like Nigel Hayes comes back for his final year at Wisconsin, all of a sudden he's sitting like he's throwing up jab step threes, and you're like, what? Where did this come from? And it was very clearly he was trying to show off. Like he, he went to the the combine or something, and the scouts were like, "You're not good enough at shooting." He's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna shoot 33s a game next year." So, <laughs> I hope that's not happening. I, I trust it won't be a problem. Um, but but removing like the guys who are the the big stars and the 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 guys that have got all the headlines, I, Miller Cop is my answer because I I I I think his skill set will be perfect. I think not just like in in Woodson system and Woodson's way to like get his skill set out of him i think the the complement of the the team he's around i think everything about it is 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 lined up perfectly for miller cop to have a big year and a, a big couple years maybe so he's a senior though he's a senior big uh i think i think he'll have another year though if he wants because of the he'll have free year from last year yeah the free year? yeah i think he can have either I think, way i think he can play uh, too if he wants Miller Cop is uh with like he he when I when he's on he reminds me of Duncan Robinson and um, yeah great I call. don't say that lightly and I I really really feel like if I'm 
trying to convince Miller Cobb that he can be something at the next level. I'm just showing him Duncan Robinson stuff left and right and saying, like, this is who you can beat, and I'll take this seriously. And I, I'm excited to see what Miller Cobb can be for Indiana because I, I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah, I did a scouting report of him for a show a couple weeks ago, and one thing that struck me with him was his hustle, too. Like, he was a guy who first gets back on defense and dives on the floor and does things like that. I mean, you think of him, you think of the shooting. And Mm -hmm. he does have a mid-range game, too, outside of the threes, but what was interesting to me was how much of the little stuff he does. And I think there's guys on Indiana's team that do that, but at the same time, like having another guy who does that outside of Race Thompson and maybe Jerome Hunter and, and some other guys... I think that that just elevates the energy on the floor at all times. Just having somebody who's willing to expend that energy, it rubs off on the guys around them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a down low thing that I think Miller Cop will add to this team too. Yeah, yeah. I think in a yeah. complimentary type role, he can be really effective doing exactly what you talked about, Mark. A guy that can space the floor and guard a couple different positions and, and give IU a little bit of versatility if they want to play big or small and um, and some of those things. So yeah, I think that he, he, he definitely he, of the newcomers is the one that I'm really, I think could flourish perhaps the most in what he's going to be asked to do. Especially immediately. Yeah. 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 He's, he's a guy too, talking about what we were talking about earlier of, of buying into a new role, all that kind of stuff of uh, sitting him down and saying like, Miller, if you want to make the NBA, you, you don't need to average 14 points a game for Indiana like you did for Northwestern or whatever it was you you had to average for Northwestern. We don't need that for me. You could, you could make the league averaging six and a half points a game next year for Indiana. Like if, if you just buy into what we need from you, which is knocking down a few threes a game, playing, having some hustle, like, you know, like it, it, he, he is a guy that is, that is, that uh, epitomizes that thing we were talking about earlier of like, I, I hope he does not um, look at his last two years at Northwestern where two years ago, he was a little more productive than he was last year. So now he's like, if I, when I go to Indiana, I got to go back to the, the guy that was like, you know, running the offense and running the show. We don't need that from you, Miller. What we need is, you to just hit be you make sure just be you and the rest will take care of itself. And I think he'll do that. And I think it'll be awesome. So Mark, last question on this part, uh, any insight into, you know, we talked a little about, uh, coach Mata earlier. Um, I, I think his role to everyone is a little bit nebulous in terms of what it actually is. Uh, any, any insight from you? I don't know if you've, uh, you know, exchanged any texts or, uh, or had any conversations with him that might shed some insight onto what exactly uh, his role is and, and what he's, how he's spending his time. I think he's figuring it out on the fly. Um, I think, I, I think Scott Dolson was smart in this regard that, uh, um, from what, from what I can gather, it was basically a deal where Scott Dolson was like, I just want your magic around the program. Like that, I don't. Makes I don't sense. Know, I don't know what I want you to do yet. I just want you. I just want some like osmosis to happen where you're just like around and like stuff gets absorbed and your presence. And uh, so I, I think they're figuring it out. But I, I think that matters. And I l- listen. The, the 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 word that gets thrown out a ton uh, when you talk about college basketball programs is culture, and it does become cliche and people roll their eyes when you talk about building a culture because I think every new coaching staff says that in their introductory press conference. They want to play fast and they want to build a culture, right? Like those are the things that we always hear from these guys. But culture uh, is a cliche for a reason, and I think you have to build a culture, and I think that motto is great at that. And if that is what his role is, is just to like be around and like help build a culture, he's going to he's gonna be great at it. As far as the day-to-day, I don't think he knows yet. I don't know yet. I don't – I don't. I, I think that really might be it, honest to God, is just like just – Kind of just observe. hang out, just observe <laughs> yeah. and figure it out, and like just be be around. I don't know, be be available. And um, I I I I know this. He loves it. I know that 
he he called me he he called me the night of the national championship. It's like halftime, and it was a blowout, so I wasn't really that. But I was like locked in on the national championship. But I I could step away and take a phone call for a second. And he calls me, and he's just like cackling. And and I was like, "What's going on, coach?" And he's like, "You will not believe the setup I have down here." And I was like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Mark coming like, out, yeah, I know. Beers. I know. I'm like, well, I gotta I gotta come to a game." He's like, "Oh, you're coming to a game." Coming- <laughs> he, he's over the moon about the setup, uh, and it might be because he doesn't. He's getting paid to like not really do much. I guess I don't know. But no, uh, <laughs> no, he he loves he loves the gig. He's he's a guy who uh, definitely grew up an IU fan. Um, I don't know if people knew that uh, by the way that that Coach Mato was was a because he he was like the. I think he watched like the 76 Hoosiers. I think like he was like the right, he was the right age when the 76 Hoosiers mm-hmm. happened that it just kind of. I wonder you guys got along. You both grew up Hoosiers and yeah, then went yeah. out and had success yeah. elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely don't think that was known. I think they brought, I think it was Dolson who brought it up during the press conference, but yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, I certainly didn't know that about him uh, yeah. prior to, prior to being hired. Oh, he, he, you get him around my dad and they'll talk about seventies, eighties, <laughs> IU basketball for, I mean, you have to like pull them away. You have to prime them away from each other. So um, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I kind of can't answer the question because I don't, I don't think it's really defined, but I do from, from talking to coach, I think that is kind of the, the mindset behind it is like, I don't know. We just want, we just want you around. And I think uh, I, it's a smart move in my, the, 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 the way I see it. Cause I mean, the guy knows more about winning in the big 10 than just about anybody other than like Tom Izzo. I think that's, yeah. that's involved yeah. in these programs right now. So, well, one of the most interesting parts about that was that Woodson talked to Dolson about it. Before Dolson had the, you know, was like Dolson may have had the kernel of the idea, but Woodson was like, "Hey, what about having Thad Mata around?" And I mean that that to me, because if that hadn't been the case, you'd worry about like, is there any tension there? Does Thad, yeah, should be coaching the team? And does Woodson kind of not like this guy looking over his shoulder? But it was Woodson's like wanted it, and, yeah. and I think that is the key to the situation: is that those it's, guys are going to work well together because you know Woodson knows he needs that. Not a one-to-one comparison, but it kind of reminds me of when Steve Lavin was a coach at St. John's, and you you, you turn on every St. John game, and Gene Cady would be sitting yeah. like two rows behind the bench, and you're like, "Why is Gene Cady at every game?" And then like <laughs> you'd start digging, and you realize because Lav, Cady, and Lavin are guys, and it's whatever, and and Cady's like not actually involved with the program, but he's always there, and you're like, yeah. "What is he? He's doing something there. I can't really figure mm-hmm. it out." Um, not not a perfect comparison. But that's what I feel like. Whatever Gene Cady was doing for St. John's back then, I feel like. Well, you know, every game yeah. this year, too, they're going to have a shot of Thad in the crowd. Yeah. You know, it's right. going to be like, Thad Mata. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah. all, I think it's a great, a great team up. I really do. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to work really well. So, Mark, any, uh, any quick, way too early thoughts on, uh, on how IU stacks up in the Big Ten? Uh, I know there's still a few dominoes to potentially fall with guys in the, uh, in the draft process, but what's your yeah. at least initial impression of, of kind of where they might fit in the pecking order? I, I, I think I use up there. I think there's uh, if you're doing tiers, um, I, I boy, I have to really think. I mean, Ohio State. I, I I think we're pretty optimistic. Those of us, uh, the, the Buckeye fans in the world, uh, despite how our season ended last year, um, I I think I think most Ohio State fans are pretty optimistic. I have to imagine Purdue fans are gonna think they're gonna be pretty good. Michigan will be pretty good. Um, Maryland made some moves. I, th- I think Maryland's kind of on par. More people seem to be excited about Maryland than Indiana, and I don't necessarily buy that. I, I think Indiana's up there. I think like Kentucky. Uh, Kent- I don't know why I say Kentucky. I was, I'm, I'm looking at some of my screen to say Kentucky. Uh, I think I think Purdue, uh, Ohio State, Michigan are 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 kind of the cream of the crop. But Indiana, um, you know, 
I, I think the Hoosiers are going to be pretty good. I think it's mo- mostly the unknown. I think when, when you're going into the season and all the previews that you're going to see about Indiana and about the Big Ten rankings and all that kind of stuff, it's it's the unknown. And we, we know how this stuff works. I mean, like UCLA was an 11 seed last year. And because they went to the Final Four and because they're bringing a lot of guys back and people know them, they're going to probably be the number one team in the country to start the season. Yep. And no one's going to stop and say, these guys were an 11 seed. <laughs> <That's laughs> and, and, and Michigan State kind of gave the game away at, at some point. Yeah, they so, gave the yeah. game, you know, because it's just easier to do the, what what is known. And Purdue brings a lot of guys back. And, and Michigan, you know, Michigan doesn't, but they have the number one recruiting class. And I think that just kind yeah. of is more known, like that formula – uh, and the way I use patch their team together is there's a lot of unknown. Um, well, but, and, and look at what yeah. I use been the last few years. Sure. People are going to automatically assume, well, they haven't been good, you know, right. it, regardless of all the other stuff, you know? So I agree. Those preseason rankings really consider like the, e- they, they're really the easiest, like lowest common denominator. Yeah. I think in a lot of cases, well, I, like, I do it for a living. I'm telling you, I'm telling you how the sausage is made. That's what I, yeah. that's, I, I will, if <laughs> I if just think Wisconsin you, last year, I mean, that was exactly the, if you ask me to give you, give you my top five in the country, I'm probably putting UCLA at one and Gonzaga at two. Cause it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm going to, yeah. I just made fun of people that do that. I would do the exact same thing. I'd be like, UCLA, <laughs> they, they, do you see how good they played in the tournament? They're bringing all yeah. those guys back. They're going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be an easy transition to a new but, season. But no, no I think if, if you're asking me expectations, I think that's a better way to frame it. Like what should Indiana's expectation be? Um, tournament, obviously. I, I think even year one, I think tournament, yeah. given the roster they have, uh, they 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 must make the NCAA tournament. Um, I I I don't necessarily I wouldn't say Sweet Sixteen or Bust or anything like that, but I think must make the NCAA tournament. The top half of the Big Ten would be nice, but like honestly, I think we have to. And talking about the changes in college basketball and the way everything's evolved, like I think looking at that kind of stuff is kind of an an old fashioned way of looking at it because with imbalanced schedules and with how deep the Big Ten is and all that kind of stuff, like I don't think finishing top half of the Big Ten. It looks bad to not finish top half of the Big Ten, but it doesn't mean what it used to mean. You yeah. Know? It, it, so it's, I, I I don't know. I, I think if I if if you ask the IU coaches internally, my guess is they're saying our one big goal is just make the NCAA tournament. We have we must make the NCAA tournament. Get a, I mean, and and not squeak in, not like an eleven seed like play in game type thing. Have a like, comfortable selection yes. Sunday. Yes. There you go. A, a seven seed or better. Yeah. Like you're you're in. We're good. We were ranked throughout the year. Um, and I think they'll do that. I think they will do that. So, and let's be real with the parody in college basketball nowadays. You make the tournament, you never know what can happen. I mean, you know, it's just know, especially we were about UCLA last year. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're battle tested in the Big Ten. I mean, all those teams can make a run. They they did yeah. this year, but they definitely could. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, coming up in our third segment, we'll do some subscriber shoutouts and answer a few questions. So stick around with us here on the Assembly Call. We could all use a real vacation right about now. Lucky for us, Princess Cruises has a port right here in SF. Starting at $99 per day, Princess can take you to the beaches of Mexico, the tropics of Hawaii, the glaciers of Alaska, or along the California coast. That's right, just $99 per day. Set sail with California's cruise line. Call 1-800-PRINCESS, visit princess.com, or contact your travel advisor today. Terms and restrictions apply. Promotional pricing ends November 30th, 2021. Ships are Bermudan and British Registry. Before booking, consult the CDC website at www.cdc.gov. 
At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here there's also a uh yeah and then tony stuckey in the chat good point maybe maybe beat purdue too yes that would be yeah that would be, no that'd be nice that would be a desirable outcome at some point for sure oh well. all right well we'll try to hit a few of these questions i probably gotta wrap up in probably 15 20 minutes but i think we can hit i'm sorry sorry i'm running long no you're long oh no, we, you're, we love it Are you no you're totally me? fine it's great uh, I'm just trying to see. I'll my shut up, kid. No, you're. Hey, good. the I'm more just, you talk, just, the less we have. To I'm talk. just trying to see my kids before they go to bed. So you're totally, you're totally good. I, right. I got to like 10:30, so we're fine. I'm not, you know, West Coasters like you guys. You're just still. You guys are just getting warmed up now. It's. I'm know, going it's to the right. beach after this. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do it. It's still, it's still light outside, Andy. It's, I know. I know. It was light when I started, so we're good. Yeah, Mark. Whenever you come down to San Diego, man, let me know. We gotta go to a Padres game. I want to make I, that happen. Have you ever been to Petco? No, no. We gotta. I'll make get tickets. Happen. You All let me right. know when you want to go. I'll get to. I know. Right. I know people. Ryan speaks glowingly of uh, <laughs> of Petco. It's it's the best, man. Let's go. Yeah, this summer. Like, let me know when you want to go. All right. All right. I'll hit you up. For sure. I'll take you up on that. All right. Here we bring go. Moses. It's a dog friendly park. Nice. Is it really? Yeah, it is. It's I mean it's Petco Park, dude. It's, that makes sense. That that checks out. I didn't know that. That's awesome. There's certain days you're allowed to bring your dogs. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, yeah, wow. they, they do them. Is- yeah, they do them in Cincinnati for I don't know, maybe like one a month, but I would assume it's more a little bit more. Yeah, it's there. pretty regular here. I'm not I'm not sure. I'll have to check. Also, I don't know what the restrictions now, what the rules are, but all right. <clears throat> all right. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. And welcome back. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and special guest Mark Titus. And it's segment three, which can only mean one thing. Subscriber shout out. All right, subscriber shout-outs to the newsletter. The first one comes to us from Goshen, Indiana. It's Stephanie Seibel. Stephanie's favorite IU player is Steve Alford. Uh, favorite host is Jared, but then posed the question, does he even count as a host anymore? And for a special acknowledgement, uh, Stephanie wrote, I'd like to acknowledge the alumni members of the IU Marching 100 and basketball bands, especially from 1985 to 1989. And the second subscriber shout-out comes to us from St. Augustine, Florida. It's Dale Chatton. Dale's favorite Hoosier is a tie between Scott May and Yogi Ferrell. And for his assembly call leader, Dale took an interesting turn. He wrote, and I quote, Dan Dockage, he has this like and hate, not like or hate, but like and hate deal. You just can't separate those traits on Dan. He's an interesting fella if you can get by the hate Dan part. (laughs) Thanks to Dale and Stephanie. So just so everybody knows, we're reading what these people are, are writing as a subscriber shout out. Some may have thought we would have omitted that part, but we did not. So 
here we are. Dan uh, loves the show, by the absolutely, way. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Mark loves the show. He's never said anything bad about it. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, all right, now it's time for the mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about uh, at and join at assemblycall.com slash community. And we will start with... It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. All right. So this from Jay, who actually sent this in much more in advance of the show than normal this week. I think it was Tuesday even. Um, but He's usually right before show time, Usually so. we're, we're under the gun, but not this time. So uh, he said, this might be one of the most important questions in Assembly Call history. It deserves the proper amount of, t- of preparation from the host. Uh, we'll leave it up to him to judge whether that preparation was actually done or not. Uh, if you have the same dining schedule as Tamar Bates and his family had for their first day in Bloomington, and for those who didn't see it, uh, one of Tamar's family members basically like tweeted out a picture of their itinerary, which um, probably shows a little bit that they might not know the passion of IU basketball fans, as I'm sure they were then uh, greeted by by mobs of fans. Although students weren't on campus, but uh, I'm sure the rest of their day was, was incrementally more interesting uh, by virtue of them tweeting out the schedule. Um, but their, uh, their meal schedule at least was a late breakfast slash brunch at Uptown Cafe, a late lunch at Buffalo's, and then dinner at Yonko's. Uh, so Ryan, I'll go to this, uh, you with this first, Mark, you can feel free to jump in. I don't know what your, uh, your, your, uh, your feelings are on the, uh, Bloomington, uh, restaurant scene. So I won't put you on the spot if you don't want to be, but, uh, all right. So Ryan Uptown, uh, what is your, uh, go-to breakfast or brunch, uh, dish there? Uh, Geez, I like the pancakes there. They're really good. Uh, we actually ate breakfast there uh, when we were there for the meetup in last, you know, last year, not this past year because we didn't do one. Uh, so yeah, I would say breakfast there. I don't know what I would get at Buffalo. It's probably wings, and then of like course you, I I'm feel like the, I feel like you have to get wings there for sure. Yeah, and then at at Zagreb, I'm getting you know a medium rare uh, fillet probably. I think get, that's what I'm going with. Yeah, you got to get the meatballs to start as the appetizer. Oh, yeah, yeah, the a, meatballs for sure, yeah. Yeah. So and then medium rare filet. That's mine. There you go. Mark, any uh, any thoughts or experiences from those those places on your visits to Bloomington? I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not familiar with those places, unfortunately. All right. All right. Well, if you guys do a do a tour stop in Bloomington. And I mean, I, yeah. yeah Mato's got to take hand. you to these. Yeah. He's got to yeah. give you the recruit treatment and take you to all the places they would take the recruits. So, you, yeah. You can, you can Listen, I know. I know. I know places in Bloomington, but I, I kind of just know the the staples, you know. I Nicks. know the Nicks and Mother Bears and and Kilroy's and uh, Opie Taylor's was was a fan favorite. I heard it closed down. Yeah. Oh, did it? Was, yeah, I believe it did. That was that was uh that was That's my fun. brother. Good burgers. My, my brother and dad's favorite spot. We'd go to we go to Opie Taylor's before football games all the time. So um, those are kind of my. I, I just I stick to the basics because I'm I'm a simple man and I, I don't know. So I I, I haven't really I, I I never lived in Bloomington. I didn't go to school at IU. So you know, like I never really had time to like really get explore sick of, to get sick of Kilroy's or Nick's. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah. like Kilroy's always hits the spot when you come in for one game and you're like, yeah, let's just go to Nick's or Kilroy. You know, that's that always works. But you know, I imagine if I lived there, I would kind of get sick of it and want to try new stuff. But I never yeah. did so. Uh, coach, anyway. coach in the chat said that he and Mrs. Tonsoni are heading Bloomington on Saturday, and they are hitting up uh, two of those, Buffaloes and and Zagreb. So they're uh, they're doing it right. Uh, all right, so uh, let's see. I'm going to throw a couple of these ones that were uh, 
specific to Mark because I think they're they're uh, be good to hit and oh some boy. of the others we can oh push to later. <laughs> All right, so this one's from JD. Can Mark elaborate a bit more on how Mike Davis was unable to recruit Greg Oden and Mike Conley to IU? What would it have taken for yeah. you to be a walk-on at IU? Uh, it would have taken Mike Conley and Greg Oden going to IU, and I would have gone. I wanted to go to IU. I, I, my dad kind of didn't let me go to IU. Um, he, it was, it was a weird. I think I don't need to tell that story, but, but yeah, my dad was like, "Don't do that. Go do your own thing and go, go to Ohio State. Trust me, you'll, you'll like it there with, with Mike and Greg." Uh, I, I think I've told this story before, but um, I don't, I don't know if I've ever told it on this, this show. Uh, basically, what happened with Greg really wanted to go to IU. I believe. Yep. That's my understanding. Mike uh, liked it too. I mean, Mike was like, "What's not to like?" It's in the end. I'm from. He's, he's from Arkansas, but he's like, "I this is great." I, I I think they were, they were both very interested. Greg was like set on set. I, I got to be careful. I got to choose my words carefully, so it's not. <laughs> IU fans don't run with it. Like what? Greg Owen was about to commit. It wasn't that, but like Greg was like, "Yeah, that I I really really like Indiana." Um, and what happened, my understanding is that Mike Davis was sending Mike Conley the wrong mail. He was made, he, Mike Conley was receiving letters from Indiana that were made out to Sharon Collins, not Mike Conley. And this kept happening. And the Conley family was like, coach, please, for the love of God, like show our son some respect. He's a five-star recruit. And it apparently just kept happening over and over. And my understanding is like, that was enough for them to be like, all right, I don't really feel like this guy has it all together and isn't, you know, the caliber. I, I don't know if that, like it, it probably coach Mata played a factor too. of just coach Mata is awesome. And, and is, I don't know, just came along at the right time and was building something at Ohio state. And it was like the chance to be a part of something, you know, you know, that was like the recruiting pitch, the chance to be a start of the start of something special at Ohio state, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I think it was a combination of that. But yeah, the Sharon Collins story is what I had always heard. It has never been confirmed to me, but also maybe it has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe Why well, was it I was a senior when they were getting rec- I was a senior when they were getting when you guys were all getting recruited. And I remember I mean not us, heard about no, all us you. all us all. <laughs> well, I remember you as a high school player because I look at yeah. like the high school all star stuff or whatever and, yeah. and I remember seeing your name. Um, but yeah, those, those two were like a huge deal on campus. Everyone was like, why haven't they committed to IU yet? Like yeah. what, you know, and then it wound up being Ohio state. And I mean, given the turmoil at Indiana at the time in the basketball yeah. program, I don't think anybody could really blame them for, for what they did. I was kind of, uh, after, after we went to the NIT in 08 and then I'm watching guys I played against in high school at Indiana getting serious minutes for the Hoosiers during the, the 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 lowest point in Indiana basketball history, some small part of me was like, I should have gone to Indiana. But then I look at the <laughs> Final Four ring, and I'm like, eh, maybe I should have stayed at home. No, I think I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm good. Yeah, I think I think we're done. All right, uh, all right. So the next one uh, from elbows in, Mark. I learned about the Tyson Tate podcast through Assembly Call, and I'm now regularly listening. Through your time oh, on well, Assembly Call, I have I have a good idea of your background, but because I'm new to your pod, I'm curious who is Tate and how did you guys come together to do the podcast. <laughs> Oh boy! I don't know how long you got to answer Uh, that question. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'll make it quick. Uh, Tate Tate was an intern. I worked at a website called Grantland. It was financed by ESPN. Uh, It was like a boutique deal. Uh, Bill Simmons ran it, Um, and Tate was hired to be an intern. Pretty much at the exact same time, Bill Simmons got fired from ESPN, and so Tate like shows up to LA. I didn't live in LA at the time, but I uh, Tate shows up to like report for duty as an intern for Grantland. 
And I was flying out to LA because basically Bill got fired and there was like a, an all hands on deck sort of situation of like, how do we, where do we go from here as a website, whatever. Um, and on my trip to Los Angeles, as Tate had just arrived to be an intern, uh, we, we did like a, an after, um, after meeting work drink situation. And, uh, I, I just started talking to him and, and picked his brain and he's a, he said he went to North Carolina and he was a big college basketball fan. And a lot of people tell me they're college basketball fans out in Los Angeles, but yeah. none of them, you know, you know, they're like, I love college basketball. I love Zion Williamson. I'm like, that's it. That's all you got. That's all, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I started talking to Tate about college basketball and him being a Carolina fan and the stuff that he was, the, the stuff that he knew, I knew that he wasn't full of it. You know, I knew that like he lived and breathed this game. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. And then uh, Bill started the ringer uh, and Tate was just an intern at Grantland. So he wasn't married to work in there. And, and he called up Tate and was like, Hey, do you know how to record podcasts? And Tate said, yes. So he hired Tate to the ringer. Uh, I eventually Grantland folds. I go follow Bill to the ringer. And then we started a podcast together and that's pretty much it. So Tate's a Carolina guy. Um, I'm, I'm, I represent the Midwest. It works out well. We got the symbiotic deal of like ACC big 10 and, uh, you know, he, I, I have the Ohio thing too. So he wants to argue Jordan and LeBron and, and <laughs> like any argument you can think of in basketball, we have a way to kind of have both sides covered. So did you guys uh, have chemistry right away? We kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. We, cause we, we talked about the, the, you know, you know what the big, uh, conversation we had on uh, the first time we met was about Sean May. Cause oh, really? uh, yeah, Sean May was a huge talk. Like we talked about Sean May for like an hour straight <laughs> and I talked about watching Sean May in high school and like, you know, you talk about like a guy that that broke everyone's heart when he didn't go to IU. Yeah, you know, Odin and Conley is nothing compared to Sean May. I remember that vividly, and just like the betrayal. And then Tate, of course, loves him because Tate, of course, in 05, like that was Tate's first uh, national championship that he experienced as a fan of Carolina because he's a little younger. So um, he was he he loved Sean May, and I was like, no. Just <laughs> no, uh, uh-uh. uh. No. So well, when anyway. they were talking, when Sean May was proposed as a potential assistant coach at, at I know. IU, I was like, I was "How's like, that going?" No. Like on one hand, maybe, but on the other hand, no. <laughs> I was I was at the game at Assembly Hall when Sean May came back for the ACC so was I. challenge. And I have <laughs> never in my life heard any anyone get booed as loud as that man got booed. It was I was wild. in the student section for that. And wild. like Josh, so my senior year, I was reporting for the Indiana Daily Student in the Duke IU game and people were like, Oh, Josh McRoberts is gonna get it yep. way worse than Sean May. I was yeah. like, No, he's not. No, he's not. Like, no, he's not. Josh McRoberts, he got it McRoberts was bad, but yeah, it was not yeah. it McRoberts was not at the bad. level. Yeah. But Josh McRoberts didn't grow up in Bloomington, Indiana, yeah. uh, with a father who is a legend, like th- th- not yeah. just a legend, maybe the legend, the maybe legend. arguably yeah. like the legend of the school. And <laughs> you know, come on, it oh, can't the, get worse the, than that. The Sean May sucks chant. I think that was fall of of two thousand four. The Sean May sucks chant, like it still rings in my ears. <laughs> um, so, then, so then you guys have it was teed up was the original name yeah right and then was there an iteration teed between up. that and, and oh yeah we Tyson so Tate? we started a podcast that was called teed up and we found that no one knew how to search for it because he didn't know how to spell teed well, yeah it's good ed is a t so uh they wanted to come up with a new name bill loved the idea of one shining podcast which like i wasn't huge on but i was like what like i was because at the time teed up was under like this big feed of the ringer where they did like a bunch of different college shows like some football some like other sport and we were all just under the same feed so 
when he decided to change the name, they were going to give us our own feed. And I was just excited to have my own feed. So I was like, whatever, whatever it takes. And he's like, well, it takes being called one shining podcast. And I was like, ah, all right, Sounds whatever, good. fine. I'll take it. Uh, so yeah, that was that. And then we eventually left the ringer. So we had to le- let the, the name stay with them. And, and we, uh, you know, came up with a very original name of Titus. <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever. We worked real hard on that one. I should uh, have I should weeks we were- of workshopping yeah. and, I don't know what happens now when I if I if I ever leave Fox though, which I have no desire or plans to. But uh, it's it's a deal where it's like I'm a professional wrestler where like they own my name now. You've given you them know? rights to your name now. You're, you, you're you have my name. You own my name. I can't do a show called Titus have, anymore. Like what? you have to yeah. be Mark the Shark wherever yeah. you go now. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I, told, I forgot about the uh, One Shining podcast. Although it was funny, we were joking with you about wearing the Hickory shirt before the show. I had I thought yeah. of it. I, I I should have gotten my friend of the program shirt on before I came down here. But I oh nice. yeah, bag uh, so. <laughs> uh, dropper. I know, I know. Uh, all right, so let's see. Let's hit a couple more of these here as we go. Um, Kathy asked, looking at the schedule uh, we now have, which is a little, which is a little limited. So. Um, you know, Notre Dame and the crossroads for this. So this is more of a big 10 question. Um, mm-hmm. But her question was, what game are you most looking forward to? She said, you can't pick Purdue. Uh, so just as we go through here, the teams that IU plays twice are Purdue, Maryland, Minnesota. Well, I'll, let's do the ones that matter. Purdue, Maryland, uh, Ohio state, Wisconsin. They've got Illinois, Michigan Rutgers at home at Iowa at Michigan state and at Northwestern. So, uh, Ryan, I'll let you take that first. Any uh, what, what Big Ten game stands out to you the most that you'd want to be at if you could outside of the the home game oh, against be Purdue? at? Well, uh, I, I mean, Michigan. it's what you're looking forward to most. But I feel like, I mean, if you're looking forward to it that much, you'd want to be there. So Michigan, because it's going to be a measuring stick game, and it's at home. I, th- I think that'll be a, a great matchup. Obviously, the games I'm looking forward to the most since our current guest, I'm looking forward to Ohio State because Mark will come back and hang out, and um, or maybe even be there because he's got you know, the fad connection, but no, I think Michigan, because I think that's going to be a measuring stick and, and it's going to be one of the big home games for, for in Mike Woodson's first year. And you get the crowd that you get for those big home games. And so that's the first one that popped off to me was, was probably Michigan at home. I would, I would agree with that just because uh, I mean, the, the, the comparison with Juwan Howard and Mike Woodson, that was, that was when Mike Woodson was hired. It was that's all anyone talked about. It felt like was the Indian guy coming they home. They found their. They think they found their Jawan Howard, and yeah, it's, it's going to be a big measure. And beyond that, uh, Michigan might be the best team in the Big Ten next yeah. year. I don't know. They they might not, but they certainly on paper look like they could be. So that'll be, as you said, Ryan, a big measuring stick. Mine mine would be though, like if if theoretically, I mean. It's not going to happen, but uh, I feel like the the welcome to the Mike Woodson era moment was going to be the ACC Big Ten challenge when like Duke or Carolina came in, or maybe Virginia. Maybe Virginia will be, but I don't think Virginia has that cachet. I'm just picturing a Tuesday night 9 p.m. tip. Armand Franklin coming back to IU. Oh, too. Armand Franklin back because Virginia. He's and it's Virginia. like it, it's a top five ACC team, and Indiana's like ranked 21st or something because it's still early in the season and no one believes in them and and all that. And Assembly Hall is just drunk like it's, it hasn't been drunk in years and the place is just rocking and we're, we're coming out of a pandemic where the fans couldn't be there last year and it's just absolutely nuts and then marco killingsworth hits it oh sorry i'm crossing. <laughs> yeah no don't don't, don't get them started i don't, was there i get ryan started on that one yeah uh-huh. i think i think it will be interesting to see who they draw in that because i think that that 
that they should have a home game. This they're going to give Coach K a home game, right? Yeah, they're giving I'm Coach just, K the home game. Yeah, I'm too. sure he'll have it. But I know IU is slated to have a home game this year based on the way that it typically would go. Um, so, th- yeah, that, that would definitely be um, an interesting one dependent upon the opponent. I think the Ohio State game at home uh, will, will be an interesting one as well. Again, upper-tier Big Ten team, I think – uh, you know the Holtman piece of it for IU fans struggling. You know IU struggling to beat him since he's been at Ohio State, um, mm-hmm. and some of those things I think would be. Uh, I'm worried. Would be a big. I'm game. worried of. I'm worried about Thad's uh, connection. Like I, that's going to tear it because I know yeah. we're going to get cheated. I know Ohio State's going to get cheated. <laughs> I just know it's going to happen. I know Thad's going to pull some string. I know. I I know what's coming, and I'm still upset about it all these months. <laughs> so if you, so so Mark, if you end up going to that game, I I don't know. You you, you would know Coach Mata better. Uh, what do you show up to that game in? If if you had to, uh, if you had to choose a school. Do you have to get one of those like house divided things made up, or you can? No, uh, I'm I, I'm <laughs> still cheering for Ohio work? State. If if Fad Mata was the head coach at Indiana, that's the, that that we've arrived at a point where it'd be very difficult for me to pick a side. But well, I, all right, I got you. But he's I not on you. staff, so I'm. I come on, I'm 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 a Buckeye. Come on, I got yeah. you. I got you. Uh, all right, let's hit uh, let's hit one more here. Uh, I thought I had one that was good. Um. I, I guess this is another one. So, so somebody kind of talked with Woodson about if you effectively got the last two months, right, which I think everybody feels like you did, you know, what are some key things over the next couple months to get it right uh, in, in terms of, you know, this is really more of a recruiting player development uh, time period, but, you know, what are some things, I'll throw this to you, to you first, Ryan, that, that you would be looking for him uh, to, to do over the next couple months to really keep the momentum going that he's built so far? Uh, I think one thing is certainly there's going to be some recruits coming in. He's got to pick up at least one probably over the next two months uh, because there's going to be guys visiting, uh, hopefully two. But that would show that kids are outside of the program are buying into what he's selling. Kids who aren't currently in college are, are buying into the program. The other thing I would say is he's got to develop the shooters. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for us to see and to know, but this team has to shoot better. And, and, and that's really the thing that's been holding them back over the last few years and, and something that Woodson wants to lean heavily on. So, so I don't know if it's, you know, putting out some really well-produced videos on how these guys are working on their shooting or whatever. I, like, I don't know how it's going to make us feel better, but really these guys have to improve their shooting. Percentage. That's what I was going to say. I need number one for me is I need more videos of trace Jackson Davis using his right hand. Um, I just need, yeah. I need the Twitter account just spitting these <laughs> out and really just the team making shots in general. Uh, that would be big. Number two is uh, the way Mike Woodson wins is I also get videos. Um, what, what, what ha- I, get, I get multimedia uh, coverage of Mike Woodson at Indiana football tailgates. Nice. Uh, he's just mingling amongst the people. He's 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 supporting the Hoosier football team. I think that's how he wins. I think that's uh, he he establishes that marriage with Tom Allen and uh, and it's a it's a symbiotic rocket ship to the moon. And that's uh, they I give they I'll, give they give pregame speeches at each other. Yeah, games yeah. Kind of but but like in all honesty, it is kind of a, a, a behind the scenes period, right? So like it's I, I I think Ryan's right. Like you know, landing a recruit, having these guys on campus, like getting one of these guys to commit would be awesome. But and, I think I think the work he's going to do now, the way he wins now, is stuff you're not going to see until the season starts. So, yeah, the one thing uh, Coach Marlowe in the chat put in about more media availability, I think that's one thing. There's been a 
seems to be a different level of transparency and access to the program than uh, there there had been previously. So I think fans have really gravitated toward that. So I think hearing more from from him, from the staff, potentially from you know Coach Mata, stuff like that would be another way to do that. But I agree with you guys in, in general, just in terms of being able to do that uh, behind the scenes development. So. All right, so that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday or sooner if any news breaks. Until then... Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I like everything about that. All right. Well, Mark, we uh, appreciate Love you it. joining us as yeah. always. Anytime, guys. Sorry if I uh, kept you from your children. No, you're, you're no, you're <laughs> good. You're good. They're out of school, so they're they're home with me all, all right. day now while I'm working. So it wasn't that I was going to go up and uh, tell them good night. So you're totally good. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, glad to have you hop on as usual, and surely have you on as the season gets closer and. Love it and all that. What you- I, I I am making a. I am going to go visit Coach Mata for for real. I'm I'm super excited about it because my dad also like I know I brought him up, but like I I I, I was getting emotion. I not on the show, but like I get emotional talking to my dad because uh he's like finally buying back into the. He, oh, he's wow. been he, he's been out since Knight was fired, and not because he just kind of like I, I don't know. And and my dad loves Indiana basketball so much, and like he now he's back in, and like he he hasn't. I don't even think he's gone to a game in like six years or something. So, wow. Like, and it's not a protest. It's just like, I don't know. My heart's not. He's not feeling it. it. He's just not feeling it. And like for the first time, my dad's like, I want to go to campus. I want to visit Coach Mata. I want to go to practice. I'm like, Dad, I'll get you into practice. He's like, can you do that and all that? So uh, I'm going to be I, – I will be in Bloomington a lot, and I'll, I'll try to be around the program as much as possible because – I don't know. You, you put me on the spot, Andy. In all honesty, like if if Thad was the coach at IU, I would cheer for IU. If Thad was the coach uh, at Michigan, I'd cheer for Michigan. Like I'm, I, I don't know. I your connections there. I yes. fucking love the guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Well, we're gonna be doing a bunch more live events in Bloomington over the next couple of years, so we'll cool. definitely be there. That sometime you are, and we'll we'll all awesome. meet up and hang um, out. In the meantime, I gotta get to San Diego. I'll go to a game. I'll hit you. I got your number, right? Like we we have. Like, you have my. I think we have. You have my email. We. You can DM me on all right. Twitter. We're, um, we're following, but I'll I'll hit you up on email and send you my information so you can. My June. Me. My June is book solid, but July. Yeah, this dude. Out. We got all summer in San Diego. It's <laughs> it's wonderful. Let's go. Um, all right, all right, fellas. Appreciate awesome. it as always. Yeah, man. Thanks for hey. thanks for hopping on. Thanks a lot, take Mark, care, and uh, take care. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will uh, see you next. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Most pancake syrups contain artificial flavors, artificial colors, and high fructose corn syrup. But there's an all-natural option free of additives in the same aisle. Real maple syrup from Canada is made from one ingredient. So turn the bottle and check the label. Is your syrup real maple? 100% pure maple, straight from Mother Nature herself. One ingredient, one source, one flavor. PureMapleFromCanada.com When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. We offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. We'll even bring it out curbside. Or you can have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com 
Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.